My beloved, thank you for coming and listening once again. This is my kind of a sermon. I may work at a church, but I don't have the opportunity to preach in front of a large number of people each week, but I guess I do in this format. I, uh, my name is John Chafee. This is the Ambushed Podcast, and thank you for listening. But before I dive into anything, there's um just a little bit of news, I guess. This past week, I've been asking myself, well, what, what is it that I'm doing here? What am I trying to do? What is, heck, what is my work in the world? I uh, spent this past weekend, I, I went and met up with Pete Rollins up in North Jersey, and it was a fantastic time, but I am starting to think my my calling is really starting to take shape, and it's taking shape as doing stuff like this. Um, Not only this, but I mean, I seem to have a lot of interactions with people that are on the fringes of religious circles, either people that are man, they don't feel like they fit in in a church and are thinking of leaving the church, or I'm meeting tons of people that feel like they don't belong in non-religious settings and instead are looking into different religious spheres. So I think there's a growing pocket of people in the world that are on the fringes either of the inside or on the fringes of the outside, and they're both looking at each other asking, where do I kind of fit in? And uh, it kind of tells me that something's changing, that something is taking a different form than it has in the past. I think this whole thing called faith and trying to find out what is this buzz? What is this hum? What is this? uh... I said it this past weekend, like, have you ever been in a room and the room just seems to vibrate with sacredness? And uh, I think that there's a growing number of people that have had those experiences, but they don't quite feel it in church. Or there are people who have felt it. And they don't quite fit in with some of their friends back home. It's fascinating. So maybe this is for you. And uh, let's continue this discussion about what it means to be a person who has a faith and they don't know why, but it, it resonates and it does CPR on their soul that they have this this aching in the bones that there's something more going on behind everything. So I guess that's the news. (laughs) Uh, I'm starting to find out more and more why I'm here every day. Or at least I'm trying to. But uh, today I just want to tell a story. This isn't a parable like the last time, which is really fun hearing feedback from some of you. Apparently you really enjoyed it, so thank you for listening to that. But This is a a true life story from my own (laughs) experiences. And, uh, yeah. What do outhouses 
or what cleaning out houses can teach you. I got a great story for you. So let's dive in. A number of years ago, I used to work at a camp in South Jersey called Halawasa, and it was short for Hallelujah, What a Savior. It was a Christian camp, but there were some really profound and deep and wonderfully beautiful people there. And uh, some of them became some of my best friends, and I still think on them fondly, even though we've moved to all different corners of the U.S., Uh, Some people are traveling everywhere, and it's just amazing. But my experiences at this camp are just so fun. And if you've ever done summer camps, you know that there's antics, and there are hilarious times that just seem to happen. And of course, you're exhausted, and you're dirty, and you can only take one shower a day, but Camp is so dirty that you would probably be better off if you could take four showers a day because sometimes you just get so covered in dirt and sweat and running in the field and running in the night. So it's just delightful. But on this camp, it was a a former cranberry bog that got converted over into a campground. And outside of the swimming lake, Every so often we would find snapping turtles. And there was one day where a few of us, my brother Chris, uh, my brother Steve, my friend Chris, and I think another friend Mo, the four of us were on a golf cart driving around camp. And we found this giant snapper turtle. And of course, being the most mature individuals that we were, we decided, whoa, we need to do something with this. So we pick up this snapper turtle. I guess it was a snapper. It was a big one, though. If you were to make a circle with your arms, it was that big. So we picked it up, and we put him in a box, and we were just giving him tons of lettuce. We were feeding him, like, all afternoon. Like, man, what are we going to do? And, of course, the idea enters one of our minds, and the other three didn't have any objection to it. We were like, oh, let's, let's hide it in the longhouse of one of the girls. So... We take him and we sneak into their air and we put this turtle, this giant prehistoric reptile into her closet and we just kind of waited. We just kind of hid and waited for her to go in and open up her closet and grab some of her shoes and when she did, this gal Dale just screamed and of course it didn't take long before she quickly realized that it was some of us. And we just thought it was hilarious. So eventually we we did share. uh, We did give the turtle back to nature. But not after we gave it tons and tons of lettuce and carrots. And all that in payment for helping us prank some of the girls. But such good times. You know those antics. But one week I was uh, directing one of the age groups. It was called Outpost. And that was for the like 12, 13, 14 year olds, okay? Like early teenage years. And then there was an older age group called TB Town that did like 15, 16, 17 uh, year olds. But I was directing Outpost, the second oldest with another friend, Jill. And man, that week, those, those kids were just terrible. 
I want to say we had about 70 all in our program for that week. They would get dropped off on Sunday and get picked up on Friday. But man, they were just terrible. These uh, campers came in and they were being incredibly disobedient. They were just screaming at one another. And then they were cursing off at my counselors. And then it wasn't long before they start shoving and picking fights with one another. And I think it kind of came to a turning point. I'm like, oh man, what are we going to do? It's only Monday. Kind of kept going. Tuesday, one of them picked up a rock the size of a baseball and threw it at another camper's head right in front of me. And fortunately, this kid was not at all uh, coordinated physically because he missed by a long shot. But man, if he had hit him, that would have been bad news. So immediately, we pulled everyone to the side like, oh man, what are we going to do? We have to, should we... Should we try to keep them? What do we do? Like, we can send them home because they're being horrible to one another. But we can't send home three quarters of our campers and only have 20 something. <sighs> so, that whole afternoon, uh, we tried to continue our program, do some of the normal things. We went to Swimming Lake, things got a little better. They were able to play and get some energy out. But they were still giving hissy fits and just being rude all over. And then I had an idea. This is one of those moments where uh, I did something right. <laughs> so, of course, I remember this one because it's one of the few shining moments when I think uh, something clicked for me. So in the middle of dinner time, I go on over to the, the cook and some of the people in the cleaning area and some of the staff, and I said, hey, our camper's being terrible. Can I get a hold of some some buckets and some bleach, some gloves, get us some mops, whatever sponges you have, and uh, there's an outdoor bathroom. I think, uh, I think we should just go and clean the outhouse. So, I said that really odd, right? So, the other staff, like, are you sure that's part of our job later this afternoon or tonight after dinner? I said, no, no, no. We'll have our program do it. In the midst of all of this, I did tell my counselors to go ahead. I gave them a different task. And uh, so I rallied up all of our campers. And I had a few of the, the counselors stay back with me. But I said, all right, campers... I have an announcement. There's not going to be a night game tonight. I know usually, and immediately, the crowd starts booing, and blah, 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 and they were just being loud, but I know how to project my voice. So I said, there's not, no, no, there's not going to be any night game. You campers have been starting fights, cursing at my counselors, and I've seen you try to pick up rocks and hit someone else in the head with them. As campers, I can't in good conscience say we have to do tonight like normally planned. No night game. And then on the way out of the dining hall, I said, I have a present for each of you. And as they walk out, every third camper 
I either gave them some of the gloves, some sponges, some of the mops, or some of the buckets. And as the 70 of them filed out of the dining hall, I said, it is our job now to go and clean the bathroom of the oldest age group. Oh, it was one of those moments where uh, if you've ever been around somebody whose personality was like turned up to a 10, it was like, bam, we just broke the knob. Now everything's at an 11 or 12. And maybe before some of these campers were hiding the fact that they were cursing <laughs> and insulting the camp, the counselors. But this time they weren't even hiding it. And I said, everyone follow me. And so we walked about a quarter mile down the road, this dirt road in the middle of the woods to the outhouses. And the whole time I'm leading the charge and there's about 70 behind me and maybe two or three other people and uh, some of my counselors. And behind me, I can hear them saying terrible things about me. I can hear them ranting about how this isn't fair. Like, I can't believe we have to do this. And then they would make comments about some of my counselors and how they how much they hate the camp and I just kept the stone face that we have to we have to go through with this. So we finally get over to where the outhouses are. There's something like seven, maybe you know, four stalls in there and it's really not that big, so we obviously we can't fit all seventy campers in there. So I have them sit down right across the dirt road from the outhouses that we were about to clean. And I said, all right, who's got the gloves? Come on up, put them right here. Who's got the buckets? Come on up, lay them down right next to it. Who's got the mops? Come on over, put them down here. Who has the sponges? Come on over, put them down here. I said, all right, everyone go back and take a seat. You don't have to do anything tonight. And of course, they all got very puzzled looks on their faces. They looked completely curious. Like, well, well, what, what's happening? And I said, yeah, we walked out here with cleaning supplies because you campers have been terrible campers in reality. <laughs> uh, but we're not going to do that. I said that we were, but yeah, I think I would like to make a different point. And they, they all had... You know, the not angry eyes, but like the um, their eyebrows are kind of angled down because they're just confused. And I said, tell me, do any of you know the difference between what is mercy and what is grace? And of course, no one raised their hand because they had no idea that they were going to be asked such a question. And I said, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. And then I asked, so can anyone give me a good definition for what is grace? And I said, grace is getting what you don't deserve. I said, you campers have been incredibly mean and nasty. And in all honesty, the worst campers I've had thus this summer. It's only Tuesday, and we've got to ask ourselves, how are we going to survive the rest of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before you get picked up? Because if things keep escalating like this, it's not going to work. Mercy 
is not getting what you do deserve. I said, and all of you deserve to have to clean some toilets. But grace is getting something you don't deserve. And I said, we didn't walk far enough, but if we keep walking on this road another hundred yards, I sent ahead some of our counselors where they've already prepared a bonfire and all of them have got s'mores that they're making for you. And all the campers look completely confused, bewildered, and kind of, not quite disbelief, but they, you could see in their face that they wanted to believe that. I said, all right, we're going to leave these cleaning supplies here for the, the actual staff whose job that really is, the operations crew. Follow me. <laughs> and you should have seen these 70 teenagers slowly rise and follow this guy named John, who they just spent the past five minutes cursing at behind my back, which I could hear. They all slowly followed. And as we came around the one bend, we turned to our left. And there, every single camper saw their counselor already making s'mores and holding s'mores out to them. So each of the counselors had something like eight campers, and so each counselor had eight s'mores prepared. And so the campers came over, and they had their counselor that they had just insulted, started fights with, were disobedient to, were incredibly rude towards, their counselor offered them two graham crackers with a chocolate bar and a fresh uh, toasted marshmallow in the middle. The best part was they all sat there completely confused but enjoying their s'mores and happy. And it was so profound to see they had a, a different way of relating to each other and to their counselors. And then I had some of my counselors come up to me and ask, John, should we give them seconds? I said, oh, yeah, give them seconds. If they want, give them third and fourths and fifths. So that rest of the evening, we didn't play a night game. It's true, we didn't. But we also didn't clean any bathrooms. What did happen was we cleaned the slate with some s'mores. We just erased the past day and a half or two days of bad relationship. We didn't keep account of wrongs. And instead, every camper that asked for more s'mores, we gave it to them. (laughs) It was so good. And then we finished out that evening. We walked back to our different areas because guys slept in different areas than the girls. And I did have some of the best conversations with campers, they came up and said, I can't believe, like the, the, the swaparoo, the, the switch, the, the turnaround that just happened right there, you got us good there. I did, though, have two campers come up to me. Furious. They were just livid, just completely angry, and you could see it in their eyes, and they had clenched fists as they pulled me aside like listen here uncle john because everyone who's a camper i mean a counselor is called aunt or uncle and i was uncle john and they're like uncle john how could you i was like oh 
How can I what? How how could how dare you do that? And I was like, how dare I do what? Well, we're just really disappointed in you, Uncle John. I said, hold on, time out, rewind. You're disappointed in me that I set up for you to get s'mores tonight? Like, well, well, um, we're just really frustrated and we think that you, you handled that incredibly poorly. Well, time out. You think I handled this poorly and that I gave you second and third and fourth s'mores by giving all of our counselors enough to give you multiple s'mores? I said, who are you really angry at? Are you angry at me? Because all I did was just set up some gifts for you. And I said, let tonight help clear the slate. I think there's something profound that happened that moment. Uh, And you know what? I wish I could tell you that the rest of the week went smoothly. It didn't. It got better. But the rest of Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday had some hiccups. But it, it did get better. I found out that when you have moments where you have extreme mercy or grace in your life, there's, there seems to only be two uh, real responses. The first is either fury or anger. Like, I can't believe mercy was just given to me. I think sometimes because we want to be, to be punished. We want it sometimes. Or maybe we get incredibly angry because someone else didn't get what they deserved. Maybe. Maybe. Or sometimes we even get angry when grace happens. I can't believe you gave me s'mores. I can't believe you gave some of these other campers. They should have cleaned the bathrooms. I think the first response could be anger, but another option is also just gratitude. When you have mercy or grace extended to you or to someone else, are you prone to getting angry or grateful? It seems as though those are the the only two options that I've experienced. Maybe there's more. But mercy and grace seem to be things that just completely challenge the way we expect the world to do its give-and-take dance. To play that game. And like I said, some of the the campers maintained being rude and and tough, but they did get better for like a 24-hour span. And then everybody, or some of them, fell back into old routine. I think for some of us, we need mercy and grace given to us more than just once or twice in order to prove to us that it's not an anomaly, but that it can actually be a way of life. It was one of those few moments, like I said, where I think something clicked and I finally did one thing right. And I know that for a number of people that were present that week, even some counselors have told me about it years after the fact. This is probably, man, eight years ago. Um... That that moment was a game changer for some people. 
and I want to say I got the inspiration from someone else, but I mean, it's really just good spirituality really encourages a different way of doing life, a different system, a different mode of relating to other people that just does away with the ledger where you keep account of everybody's rights and wrongs and you try to make sure that everyone is fairly paid according to how they've acted towards you, which really is just a way of keeping track of how much you should retaliate. But hell is in the ledger. Hell is in the way that we keep account like that. And if God is in anything in this world, God is in those moments that challenge us to see that life life can be lived differently. The divine is present in these moments where s'mores are given to a sweaty teenager that just threw a rock at someone else's head. When you give a second or third s'more to that camper that just cursed out you and everyone you know and love. <laughs> Grace is somewhere in the midst of an evening bonfire when people should have been punished with cleaning a dirty bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that looks like for you. But is there a sphere in your life in which you are keeping a ledger? In which you think that the best way to help someone reprogram how they relate to other people is to punish them or is there a chance that you can help someone change the way that they relate to themselves and others by extending them grace and mercy and keep giving them grace and mercy until they start to see oh there is another way of doing life than the way I am right now It's kind of funny because, like I said, that story, that happened almost eight years ago, and I still refer back to it, at least personally. I wanted to save this story for some other time, but you know what? There's enough of you out there listening that I think you would get something out of it. So, in the midst of all of these crazy experiences that we have, it's, it's a good thing to sometimes look back and see what we did right and to maybe even look back and and continue to learn from our own life stories. So there you go. May you, the listener, my beloved, uh, be someone who helps to increase and multiply mercy and grace in this world. Cheers. Grace and peace to you. So be it.